Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined myself and Joe as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of today's crazy and mixed up world. One of the things that helps gets us through this crazy and mixed up world is friends. You know, we've had an episode on friendships, but it's a, it's a topic that we can return to because it's a topic that as young adults, something that we kind of grapple with quite a bit, you know, how do we develop friendships and how do we develop deep friendships. Because a lot of times as young adults, we have a lot of very surface level friendships. We have perhaps acquaintances at work, people we may go out to drink with. But how do we get to that point where we have friends that we can really kind of really share our heart with? And uh, and I know, you know, Joe, you were talking about kind of that experience to me earlier about how you had uh, that friend that you could really kind of share deeply with. And like, let's talk about like, how do you develop that friendship? So tell us first your experience. Sure. Yeah. The, um, the genesis of this episode topic was, um, so I, I've just finished my first year of seminary, um, which was a spirituality year. Hey, praise God. Yep. One down, six to go. Who's counting? And, um, (laughs) and, um, and yeah, so like the first year of seminary, you know, it was different than other years will be. There's only about 20 of us in a house, um, with one priest and with no technology, mostly in contact with each other alone. So you develop, you know, like a high level of familiarity with each other very quickly. Um, and then at the beginning of the second semester, we do this poverty immersion. We're sent out sort of in pairs to a kind of random location and we work there for a month. Again, we don't have our phones. You're just with that guy and the people you're serving. And I happen to be with a really great, really great guy um, who became a very, very close friend of mine over the course of that month. And he had been a net minister. I don't know if you know net, net ministries. Oh yeah, National Evangelization Teams, I think it is. Something it's, like that, uh, yeah. based out of Minnesota. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go around for a year and give retreats. Yeah, so it's a really great program, which he was a part of prior to entering seminary. And... um he was telling me that Net taught him the difference between intimacy and familiarity. There's a lot of times we have familial, familiar relationships, right? So like, um, you know, you know, if you live with somebody for long enough, you know a lot about them, right? Like you live with one priest at this point, you probably know a lot of facts about him and could probably like describe his like routine very accurately, but that doesn't actually equal intimacy. And so even in a family, you can end up with very familiar, familiar relationships, right? Where you know a lot about somebody. They don't actually know them in a deep way. And you're saying that Net taught Net really focuses on growth and intimacy with people you're with. And so there's this idea of a brotherhood and sisterhood among the Net missionaries. And they sort of intentionally foster like a sharing of oneself with each other. Um, and so part of the poverty immersion, we were supposed to at night, either prior to or at, or, um, at, or, at, or after night prayer, kind of just touch base better day and share graces and whatnot. And we did, but we did more. I mean, we, we spoke for almost an hour most nights, if not more. And he was extremely vulnerable at the beginning, and I, which kind of helped me to do likewise. And it just the whole experience taught me the incredible benefit of being willing to be vulnerable enough to share yourself with somebody else. And um, I didn't realize in the first semester how much I, I needed that until I had it in the second semester. Because we went back to the year, but we had this relationship now. And so when things were going poorly in my life or in his life or in both, we all had, like, knew what was going on in each other's lives. And we had a kind of a context to work out of and to care for each other. And so it just it totally changed my experience spiritual year, like completely. Um, I was very grateful for that experience. And I just think that especially men, but in general, people have a very difficult time foster, like looking for, finding, fostering, maintaining intimate relationships with each other that are, in, that are not romantic relationships. Right, right. Because, I mean, we, anytime we say the word intimacy, it's always kind of assumed that it's romantic right. intimacy. But the truth is we need intimacy with God. 
yeah. with Jesus Christ. We need intimacy with one another. Yeah. You know, it's just that, I, I love what the Sisters of Life say, intimacy is into me see, mm. you know, seeing into another person sure. and get to know them as, as a person. Yeah, and it's funny, my, um, so the, the director, my director on my 30-day retreat, um, he was asking me to meditate one day on the ways God has kind of reached out to me in my life. And what it came up as was really just relationships and friendships. And he said, well, that's good because we think of the seven sacraments, but the reality is that if a sacrament is just a visible sign of an invisible grace, then friends are also a sacramental sign to us. They're a sacramental sign of God's intimate love with us. And so that's awesome, right? I will have a theological quibble with that. Why? Because <laughs> a sacrament is an, an visible sign that gives grace that was instituted by Christ. Sure. Yeah, but um, yeah, but 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 Jesus didn't didn't institute the brown scapula, which is the sacramental. So like we're talking sacramental, about, right? Different yeah, so sacramental, sacramental, yeah. sort of a sub sacrament thing. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, but you're right. That it's in, sacramental small s. Yeah, we could say yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you've having known you for ten years now, or yeah. more, or twelve years. You know, I know that you've well, had many rich relationships, right? I mean, you're still like best friends with the best friend you had when you were thirteen. Well, or, when I was seven. Seven. Like, yeah, yeah, six, yeah, 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 seven like years that, old. Yeah. And and yeah, so yeah. so is is this in any way different than the intimacy you have with your best friend that's not in seminary? Um, well, I mean, I, th I think yes, in, in one sense, which is that we were, Alex and I, the guy that I was on poverty immersion with, are operating out of a much more similar sort of framework of the world, right? Like, uh, my best friend is not um, as committed a Catholic as seminarians are. <laughs> and, uh, well, it's hard to reach that level, sure. but yeah, well, huh, or it's actually quite easy to exceed it usually. But um, <laughs> um, uh, and we're both in seminary, so like living the same experiences. But um, no, I think you're right. Like relationships do mean a lot to me, and always have meant a lot to me. So in a sense, this is grace building on nature. But um, that doesn't. Yeah, I don't think I had. I don't. I didn't have. I didn't have an appreciation for the importance of intimacy, or what it really meant to be intimate with somebody. Right. Like we hear the word intimate, we use it. Our culture uses it as a shorthand for sex, right? Right. Um, and that's just that's just that's just wrong. Um, uh, yeah. So I just it's, it's in a and we were talking just before about how one of the problems with young adult ministry is that young adults aren't stable. Like they move a lot, so you might have ten people one day, and the next week everybody's moved away. And so I think mm. that that, all, that culture also makes it hard to develop these intimate relationships, right? Because it's like, well, I have friends from college who I was close with who I haven't seen in, in three years. So it's like, right, well, we shared a lot of experiences for three years, and then, we, then we're apart. And like, how does it work? We're all moving, doing different things, you know? Yeah. And it must be hard for you because, I mean, you, I mean, now you've been stable in one place, but, you know, you've switched. You, you moved from Maryland to, to Connecticut. So that's, not, that's, not, that's not close. You must have had to lose some relationships in that, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, I've lost, I've lost uh, most of them. I can't, I can think of like maybe two friends that I still, maybe three friends that I still speak right. with from my Maryland days. Yeah. But that's, I think that's just a natural um, reality of life. But, but I do agree with you that I think you can't really grow in intimacy if you're changing your, your location every three years, which is why I think a lot of young adults uh, maybe have an intimate relationship with their family members more than their friends because that's a, kind of more of a stable influence in their life. Yeah, yeah. But also like intimacy requires going beyond the surface, right? So it can't just be how's work. Like that's fine, you know, at a certain point in a relationship. But um, like a much more, like intimacy requires being willing to be honest about your own faults and your mm. own struggles and your own weaknesses, you know? Um not not having to put on like the brave face you put onto the world, but being able to say like actually like I'm like this is what I'm actually dealing with and I'm telling you because I want someone else to know, you know. And what I found, which surprised me, is that um, like the more he and I did share our lives with each other over this over this poverty immersion, then after that, the more I wanted to share, 
where like maybe like I said like I do value friendships and stuff but I do also to hold some things kind of close to the vest and don't want to like share a certain thing and we all are like that we all don't want to share certain things about ourselves sure but what I realized is the more you did the more I did share the more I wanted to share and the more it just mattered to me that somebody else knew and, and there's something about saying something to somebody else that is sort of freeing it almost like um like to say like you know um whatever my struggle is is x almost like detach the x from yourself right where it's like it's not just in, only in my head now but it's also like out there i've said it which means i have power over it to some extent like i was willing to acknowledge it like it's not i'm not right. hiding from it yeah you brought it to the light yeah absolutely um and then now that you said that somebody can say to you a week later hey how are we doing with x you know what i mean like there's also an accountability level that you trust somebody with you know but, the, but you, you use that word vulnerability yeah. you know and that's not easy especially for guys yeah you know as, you know being a guy sure and uh so I don't know how you get to that point, you know, I think because I think vulnerability is the flip side of trust. Right. And yeah. and for me, at least, it takes quite a while for me to trust somebody. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think I could do it within six months of okay. meeting someone. Sure. I mean, he and I had lived together in seminary in the same house, seeing each other every day since August. Right. At this point, it was in mid-January. When, yeah. So, if, when, you know, so, so we know each other for a good bit of time. And also just like, again, this is a specific situation to me, but like in this situation, he was much more vulnerable b- before I was. And so that was one of those things like, all right, well, he just told me all this stuff about himself. So like, obviously he trusts me and there's like a parody here. So like, mm. I'm, it's not like I'm like, I'm not like, um, like losing something by telling him these things. Like he already told me about himself. So like, what's there to lose type thing? Like, he's not going to go around saying it because like, I know things about him now too, right? Like there's like an obvious parody there. But um, there's the thing, I think vulnerability uh, invites more vulnerability from the other person, right? So, yeah. so if one person kind of expresses, "Hey, I really trust you," right, then that kind of says, "Well, okay, I guess, I guess I have a little bit more openness to trusting you back." Right, right. Yeah, no, there's like a like a give and take. It's like after the thirty day retreat, we did a sharing of graces session at the retreat house with the guys from Chicago whom we had made the retreat with, which is nice. We also did one just in our own house back in Philly, which was much better because we knew each other. And you just like we all had a common set of experiences to work off of, and we all knew each other well enough to like be, be honest and not have to hide, you know, not have, be, be much more comfortable. You know what I mean? Um, so like that's like a smaller group, and that's the other thing is that size is a, is a relevant consideration here. Like you can't be intimate in a group of a thousand people, right? You know what I mean? Right. You'd be intimate with one person or a few people, right? And that's you know, I when I started doing youth ministry many years ago, I was kind of like, all right, all about small groups. You know, it's small group discussions, how we take talks and kind of make them interior. But I realized there's there's a limit to small group discussions because a lot of times like you're you're wanting vulnerability, you're wanting people to be honest with their thoughts. But the truth is like these teens just kind of like got together in a group and they're not necessarily friends. They don't necessarily right. trust each other, or know each other, so they're not going to be open or vulnerable. Right. 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 You need that baseline there. Yeah, and, and like you know, I didn't choose Alex as my poverty immersion partner. This was chosen for me, but um. But and it worked out really well. But like it could have not, and I'm sure there are groups where where it was different, right? And so like you can't um, if you're if if the if the pairing is being imposed on a group, then like it's just anyone's guess as to whether it's going to work or not, right? Yeah. I mean, we did they did something like this at the end of the spiritual year. The seminary, the psychologist for the seminary started doing small groups in our house. I'm using these scare quotes because small group meant nine guys in a group. That's not a small group. That's right. a huge so, group. Whoa, right. nine so, like, guys. And so like it was nice, and I got the idea. But ultimately, in a group of nine people, there's going to be people who you don't want to be, you don't want to share certain things with. Sure, yeah. In part because maybe your frustration is about somebody in the group, right? Where it's like, <laughs> no, I mean, but seriously, I mean, living with that many guys in close proximity, and like with one person, you can be like, yeah, like you know, you won't believe what so and so just said. Like classic, I need to complain about it to you. Or I'm going to go crazy, type thing, right? Um, but like, if so and so is in your group, or like his best friends in your group, or like what you know what I mean? It's just it's different. It's a different thing entirely. 
too big. Well, that's one of the things that I've I've always been fascinated with, but also, you know, it's it's something that's so outside of our control is group dynamics. You know, why does one group work and one group not yeah. work? And probably like all of us young adults who, who are, are listening to this have had that experience of like, like maybe you're like you're trying to fit into this Bible study, you're trying to fit into this men's group, you know, whatever. And maybe maybe it clicks with one and it doesn't click with the other. And the other was just kind of like this awkward thing that fizzles out and there's no, you know, no real friendship. But the other one is like immediately you're, you're brothers with them. And and that's the hardest thing is that it's not something that we really can control. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. And 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 the funny thing is that it is not the case that if a group dynamic doesn't work, it's because there's somebody there's something wrong with somebody in the group. I right. Mean, it could um, just be they don't don't jive together. Yeah. I mean, like one of our professors at seminary likes to point out that there are some saints who couldn't have lived with some other saints. And that's just reality. Like just because you're a good person doesn't mean you can get along with everybody. Oh, I don't think I could live with some of the saints yeah. that are out there. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um so I won't name names. <laughs> okay. Okay, Saint Therese. All right, Saint Therese. You. <laughs> that's kind of a, okay. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, everyone loves her, but I don't know. I would struggle with her. I would struggle with her. Yeah. Because she came from a rich, like a rich uh, background, and in her writings, and and I've grown in appreciation for her over the last couple of years. I reread uh, Story of a Soul. Okay. But like, you know, she was kind of like I, I remember her writing you know, about how how so much she's suffering because she didn't feel Jesus's presence in like eighteen months. And I'm like, okay, look at Mother Teresa, like 35 years. Okay, sure. then come back and talk to me. Yeah. Like 18 months, I've had 18 months of dryness and prayer. Like that's not the end of the world. Yeah, no, you probably shouldn't live together then. Hopefully heaven, <laughs> oh, they say heaven has a lot of rooms, right? That's right. So, <laughs> that's right. Um, saint Teresa's hers. That's right. And you have your spirit. But you know, she's in heaven, so she's, you know, I I can't like criticize the saint. But that's also something about that, right? Like he, I, I like to think of heaven as like the, just the perfection of relationships, right? Like in heaven, we're all in perfect accord with each other. Like the sort of the, the suspicion and the discord that that the fall fosters among peoples is gone in heaven, right? Because we're all properly oriented towards the Father, so we're also all properly oriented with each other. Yeah, and that's like so an intimate relationship is in some ways a participation in that now, right? Where it's like me and this other person are, are sort of one mind. Like to ask me a question is to ask him a question, sort of, sort of like we know each other so well that there's an intimacy. Obviously, that we're talking about intimacy, but there's like a, a point you reach where it's like, like I know you well enough that, I, like, I kind of like even if I know I'm getting frustrated with you, like I kind of. I don't know, like in a meta sense, like I'm not. Like I just, we're just kind of like, we're just like in perfect relationship. And and that's like, that's just a taste of what heaven would be like, right? Yeah. Um, but also in heaven, I think there's no secrets, right? I mean, right. there's nothing that's dark and about us. Because there's, nothing... there's no need for vulnerability in some sense. Yeah, or we can say we're perfectly vulnerable, right? Because right. we can almost yeah, like see totally through the other person, like they're transparent, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and see God totally reflected in them, which is which is what we get a glimpse of here on earth because we're intimate you know, we, we get to know people and, and we recognize the way in which God reveals himself through them. You know, and that was something I was reflecting on uh, not too long ago. It was kind of, you know, I've been very grateful. I'm so, so blessed right now. And, and that's uh, here in Connecticut to have so many rich relationships with wonderful people. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and I was reflecting on that because one of my struggles and temptations, and, and I know you've shared kind of, you have the same thing, to kind of like... Um, think more about the person than about Christ, right? And kind of love the creature and not the creator. Yeah. And when I was praying about that, I was kind of like, you know what? I need to use these people, not, not in a bad sense, but you know, you kind of like see these people as reflecting different aspects of God. Hmm. Right? So I'm like, Lord, I thank you for the, the sense of humor that I sense in this person. I sent you, thank you for the strength in this person, the compassion in this person. Because yeah. all that's different way in which God is reflected through these people. And, and that's why it's um, so good, you know, at least for me as a priest, and I'm sure even for married couples too, to have, a wide variety of relationships because your spouse can't re- reflect every aspect of God to you. You know, your spouse has one right. or two or, or maybe 10 characteristics of God, but not everyone. Right. It's also, um, 
yeah the the the, the potential downs or like pitfall in this sort of thing right is to try is to expect the person with whom you have this intimate relationship um to fulfill you because they can't ultimately right only god can and i saw this i see this myself all the time um and also it ends up playing on your own insecurities and so you get to the point where it's like why didn't he sit next to me at lunch today why is he talking to other people i thought we were the friends and like it's like stop like because this this you can't expect a person or even a group of people even your spouse to fulfill you ultimately that's like that's actually not fair of you to expect, and you, you they because they can't do it, you will resent them for it if you expect it. Yeah. And then now now we're letting it, putting like friction between you. And this is the enmity, right? This is the suspicion that exists between us because of the fall. Um. And so I think it's just something to be aware of. It's like, just because you're sharing yourself with somebody doesn't mean that you're like now one person who have to or 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 um doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that they're they're your god, right? Like that's not yeah. Like they are again a sign pointing you to Christ. And authentic human love should lead to greater freedom, right? There is, in, in a sense, especially with marriage, that that the two people are united in that there, there is an exclusivity there. But with friendship, I don't think there's an ex, there shouldn't be an exclusivity, right? I mean, I can be friends with John, but John is also free to be friends with Mike, you know? Right. It's, right. it's actually the opposite, right? It should be that because you're so such, so close with somebody, the fact they don't call you one day shouldn't like drive you crazy, right? Like it should be like, well, like, but I know that we're good friends. So like, we're fine. Yeah. So, like, if you just met somebody and you see something, you might kind of think to yourself, oh, "Hopefully, I didn't offend them. Like, I don't know them well enough. Maybe I shouldn't have said that." But with an intimate friend, like, I should just know whether you know what I mean. Like with you, I mean, again, we know each other for so long. I should, I, I think I would know if I what lines I if I crossed the line or not because I mean we know each other well enough, right? But if we had just met, I'd be like, well, "I don't know." I'm like, maybe he did find that offensive. Like, maybe, but now I'm like, "Well, no, that's just how he like." It's not that behavior he just showed isn't him being upset with me. It's just how he reacts to X situation which happened to occur, and like you know that. So there should be a confidence that you take. From a strong relationship like this, right? That that doesn't make you second guess it. It actually gives you, like you said, it gives you the freedom to move to other relationships, knowing that you have this one too that you're not going to lose. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a good point about the insecurities, right? And that's that's something that I think a lot of young adults uh, and even myself and probably you, you know, have because all of us have insecurities about yeah. this, that, and the other thing, and that that can be a real hindrance to a healthy relationship because we are wondering, like, we all want to know that we are loved and that we're lovable. And ultimately, we should be looking to Christ for that infinite, infinite love. But the fact is, and this is something I always grapple with, like, all right, when I see Christ, I'm not going to need anything else. I'm going to know that I'm totally loved and I'm going to be completely happy, but I don't see Christ, right? I see him through faith, but not with my eyes, not with my senses. And so that's why I need these signs of his love. And a lot of the times, the signs of his love come through people, through other people's love for me and my love for them. So, but hopefully we get to the point in our relationship with Christ and just the healing that takes place throughout our, our life where we don't feel like we need the validation, where we can be at peace and, and not insecure about, you know, oh, I, I'm, I want this relationship because I need to feel loved. But rather, I, I want this relationship because it is good. Right. And because I can give to this relationship. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. So, but here's the question, right? How many, how many, as a young adult, how many like deep, intimate relationships can one sustain? Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Um, like not a ton, right? I mean, um, I don't know. I don't have an exact number, but I do know that also you have to be willing to let these things go sometimes because um, a lot of times these are, these relationships are products and circumstances and circumstances change. So like my friend Alex, right, just turned out of seminary. So it changes the entire dynamic now, right? Like I'm not going to see him every day. He's going to move on to other things in his life. So am I. We can stay friends, but like... But he probably doesn't even live anywhere near, right? Uh, no, he doesn't. Uh, I mean, I'm still going down to school in Philly, right? So um, 
and I, I am like I'm personally, I'm reasonably good at maintaining long distance friendships with people. That was never, it's never gonna be the same thing, right? Right. Um, and that was not easy, right? Um, but this is a question of attachment now, right? And it's like, well, who, is it the creature or the cre- or the or the creator, right? And so, um, and that the death of that relationship will ultimately give rise to new ones. And I already kind of see that at work in my own life, right? And so, good. I don't know how many. I don't think you can. You know, this is not something that's really in our control. You can't ch- will a an intimate relationship with somebody into existence, right? Right. Um, it, it's 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 the product of so complicated a set of circumstances. You have to just chalk it up to, to God, yeah. saying you need this person in your life right now. And I think we could pray for it. Yeah, pray for yeah. intimate friendships because I know a lot of young adults struggle with loneliness. Yeah, and maybe a lot of surface level relationships, but not a, not a deep one. Yeah, but you know, at the times I've been most lonely in my life. Look, looking back on them, the, universally, and I'm sure this is the case with you, have always been a time in which God's been inviting me into a deep relationship with him. Oh, yes. You know? Especially, like, I am not good, and I think you're the same way, I'm not good at saying no to plans. Like, I like to be involved. Like, I'm just, <laughs> yes. I just like a FOMO thing, you know what I mean? Like, I, just, I like to be available to people. Big time FOMO. And so sometimes I literally have to, like, God has to literally take away the ability for me to hang out with people, for me to spend any time with him, to be honest with you. It's like... Um, for, for all of our listeners over 40, FOMO stands yeah. for fear, fear of missing out. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 For our young adult podcast, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So, like, I remember when I was a freshman in college, I had a very difficult time making friends, which was difficult. But I also spent more time in the chapel than I did, you know, in the five years prior to that and five years after that, probably. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and there's a gift in that, too. There is definitely a gift in that. Absolutely. And so, for all the young adults listening who are struggling, perhaps, to make deep friendships, maybe that's what God is inviting us to. And and as a priest, I can tell you, for me, one of the, the more difficult times, it's actually gotten a lot less difficult the older I get. Uh, but the, one of the more difficult times when I was a young priest was Sunday afternoons. Yeah. Because you kind of on, are on this like high in the Sunday mornings, like you're greeting all sorts of people. You're seeing like literally thousands of people walk through yeah. your doors and you know a lot of their names, you know a lot of their stories, you have some great conversations. And then Sunday afternoon hits, they go home with their families and you're left alone in this empty rectory. Yeah. And kind of like, ah, you know. But I've always found, I've tried to turn loneliness into solitude. Right. You know, being alone with the Lord, alone with the alone. And it, it's actually kind of been a profound meditation when I would go into the chapel. We have a chapel in the, in the rectory at St. Jude's where I live. And I go into that chapel and I think, Jesus is alone. You know, here he is ignored in a lot yeah. of churches. You know, there's a lot of times that he, nobody ever visits him. And, yeah. and just kind of maybe projecting a human image onto him, what must he feel? Right. Yeah, it was funny. So this this last summer was my first time living in a parish full time, right? My first summer assignment in a seminary. It was only a month because of the retreat. And... I really wasn't alone very much for, for for a while. Like it was pretty busy. We were doing things. Um, good priests, they stayed active. We'd be invited over to families' houses. The first time I really had to make, make be alone was there was like a Friday when the pastor was busy. He had plans which I couldn't I couldn't go to, which was fine. But I was I was it wasn't like I was a day off, so I couldn't go home during the day. So I was at the rectory on a Friday. So I texted a few seminarians. But nobody was around, and I was I kind of could feel panic panic rising up in me a little bit. Like what am I going to do? And I was like, you know what? Like I will have to be alone sometimes as a priest. This is fine. Like I, yeah. I, I can be alone for an evening. This is fine. So, so like I got myself dinner, watched, like just hung out, read a little bit, a little scotch, watched TV, right? Like, so, um, so like <laughs> drinking alone, the first sign of a problem. No, I wasn't. No, I'm trying to I was, totally I was, I was being of saints. Um, and so, um, <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, you have to be willing to be alone sometimes. It's, it's fine. You know yeah. I mean? And like I walking out of that, I was like, yeah, like that, that, like that wasn't, that was, it was actually good to, good to catch my breath a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as young adults, that's something we have to be okay with. Yeah. At the same time, same time. One of the things I see, especially in the young adults I work with now, is that they kind of, um, a lot of, I mean, I think I think most people are introverts. Would you agree? Uh, how do you define, how, what, 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 are you, what definition are you working off of? I know there's a lot of different definitions. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most people 
are not comfortable taking the first step in a relationship. Okay, see, this is so. This is not how I think of this. I have like a very firm definition of, it, of introvert extrovert that I operate off of. So to me, that's shyness, not introvert. Okay, so maybe shyness. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah, most yeah. people are, are shy. To, me, to be to be an introvert to me is someone who gets energy being alone and spends energy being with people. Whereas an extrovert is somebody who spends energy being alone and gains energy by being with people. And yeah. you can be shy. I'm shy, but I'm definitely not an introvert. You know what I mean? So, yeah, okay, that's fair. I mean, that's I think fair. a lot of people, people I think are shy in, in awkward, in awkward and, new situations. For all sure. right. Okay, but I think most people, you know, feel uncomfortable taking that first yes. step in relationship. And a lot of young adults feel that way. You know, I was reading an article recently um, on some Catholic website about, about how, and it was a really interesting article because, you know, you hear a lot, of, a lot in the church, like, oh, the church isn't welcoming, the church isn't welcoming. And this article basically said, if you want the church to be welcoming, go out and greet somebody. Because a lot of young adults will go to a parish and be like, well, they're not, they're not seeing me, they're not welcoming me. Well, have you, right, you turned around in your pew and said, hi, I'm John and, you know, because I mean, and and we all feel awkward, and I think it's because of you know perhaps the rejection we experienced in middle school or whatever, you know. But but I think that's an important step to forming that intimacy. It's it's not going to fall in your lap. You have to you have to work at it. You have to meet people. You have to go to young adult events. You have yeah. to you know volunteer at your parish, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. No, I do agree with that. Though I do also think that Catholics could do better with this. I mean. Seen, I don't I don't know this because I'm not a Protestant, obviously, but it seems like Protestant churches are very good about like, all right, you just listen to me talk to you for two hours, like have a donut, like hang out and like talk to people and like have some coffee and relax. And Catholic churches, my experience has been, it's like a special occasion if there's any kind of fellowship after mass, right? Where it's like, oh, like it's the sixth Wednesday of the year. We're going to have our annual donut <laughs> day. So have half a donut in 10 minutes, then leave. That's not- Yeah, that's, oh, and, that's, like, and that's fair. And that's fair. At the same time- I mean, God bless our Protestant brothers and sisters. And even in the Catholic Church, when they have like greeters at Mass, that's an extremely surface level. Yes. Okay, so I'm not going to form a deep relationship no. with my greeter no. at Mass. Unless I stand and talk, hey, I you know, I see you greeting here all the time. Right. Bill. You know, what right. is your... It's always Bill. It's I always been. <laughs> but I've been think, using John today. But <laughs> Yeah, but I do think that like, um, yeah, a church that has a social every other week or something like that after Mass... Like that's more, that's deeper, right? Because then it's like you, you're in this room, you're going to talk to people. It is, but you, you have to connect, make connections and stuff. But you have to talk to people. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you're going to stand there with a coffee cup in your hand and not talk to anybody, yeah. you're never going to experience a deep relationship. And there's something about being a host of an event like that where your job is sort of be like, okay. Introduce. Like, like he's talking, people. he's standing there by himself. He would love this this person over here and she she should meet him. And so trying to do that. And like, that's kind of where the connected people in the parish slash the priests have a role where it's like, yeah. oh, like one of my professors in college was the master of this. Like you'd be like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And like in an event, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden you're talking, he introduced somebody else and then he was gone. You're talking to him. You're like, what just happened? You know what I mean? But like, it's a good thing. Like that's how you meet people and also how you don't get bogged down in conversation yourself as a host. And also so, true, yeah. And so these are like little skills that I think we could, I think sometimes we like rest on the fact that ours is the right religion and has like actual sacraments. And so we don't like, we don't do any of the other things that help foster community. Because like, we have the Eucharist. It's like, yeah, that's wonderful. We have the Eucharist, but like- We do need community. Yeah, like it doesn't mean the donuts aren't useful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you both end, right? Yeah. But <laughs> on today's world, everyone's like, I'm on a diet. I'm on a diet. I can't do the sugar. That's fine. Like, fine. Come down for greens. Yeah, I don't know. What right. I have to have- um, We'll have some kombucha. Have some kombucha. Yeah. Have- um, have some quinoa, right? Like whatever, whatever <laughs> Sunday quinoa. Quinoa at eight thirty in the morning, <laughs> not yeah. bad. No, but but also too, you know, especially as men, mm. I bond with other men while we're doing something a right. third a third thing, right? Sure. I don't just like sit there and have a conversation across the table like perhaps right. two women would. So so for like men, right now when we're sitting across from the table each other having conversation, <laughs> but we're doing a thing, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, we're yeah, yeah. recording a radio show. Yeah, that's right. But. Uh, <laughs> But so like, so like perhaps a man in order to find the fellowship of other men is, okay, let's 
join the Knights of Columbus and volunteer with this. You know, yeah. or, you know. I think that's right. Yeah, and there's like I feel like there used to be like parish bowling leagues and stuff like that, right? Like that's not an altogether objectionable idea. No, and and parish softball leagues. Yeah. And growing up in Maryland, that was huge. Parish softball, it was great for the guys. Yeah, and even like a parish game night. Right? Like, just because then it's like, oh, like, here's this family playing a game with this family. Maybe they have kids of a similar age. They didn't even know each other before. Like, that's, there's something wrong with that. Yes, which we had at our parish uh, two days ago, Did Monday. People showed up? You know, we, well, we had, we had a good turnout. Okay. It was like 30 people. Good. But every single family found their own table and yeah. didn't interact with anyone else. And so I had to be the host yeah, yeah, yeah. and be like, hey, come over here. Let's play. And I was like, dude, this is so hard. Just like, just get out of your shell and like sit with a new family. Like, what an opportunity. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't want to take it because of the shyness factor. Yeah, sometimes, I don't know, maybe this is how I am, maybe it's not how other people are, but I a lot of times really want someone to invite me to join in a group thing, but I don't want to have to ask myself. Yeah. Sometimes I'll take someone and be like, hey, you want to play this game with us? And maybe even asking twice, right? Like, oh, no, I'm fine. Okay, you sure? Like, you're sure? Like, we need an extra person. We'd love it if you played. Oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. How many friendships, I mean, yeah, men are, men are like this because we're idiots, right? So like, how many relationships started because somebody asked twice? Totally, <laughs> oh, totally, 100%. Yeah, so, so we, do have to, we do have to be outward focused. Uh, I think all of us, you know, we just have to get over our shyness because if we really want this intimate relationship, we have to take the steps to be vulnerable, to yeah. to risk rejection, which if you're at a church game night, no one's going to reject you. No, you're there to meet people. Right. You're all there for the same reason. Right. Exactly. To yeah, play games. Otherwise, you could play games at home. And right? guess what? You have something in common. You're all Catholic. Right. So there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. And ultimately, like, you can't have intimate relationships relationships without service level relationships like these things exist in like there's a progression naturally you just you don't just meet somebody and become intimate best friends that's ridiculous right especially men I mean, maybe women can do that i don't know but men certainly can't do that no, no seriously <laughs> it seems like maybe women maybe, maybe women can get like more intimate more quickly than men can with each other i don't know but like men for sure you need to start by just like throwing a frisbee around with each other mm-hmm and it's like, oh, what do you do for work? Oh, that's cool. What about this? And like, oh, like, oh, you know this person? Like, oh, you used to like wrestle in high school? So did I. And then it's like all of a sudden you have things in common and you have a common thing to talk about. And all of a sudden, you know, each other's families and just it just progresses. It's natural. Right. It's organic. Right. And and that's, you know, I know Aristotle has a threefold, or Socrates has a threefold, yeah. you know, looking at relationships of utility. What is utility? Pleasure and goodwill or something sure. like that. Yeah, maybe. And Matthew Kelly, who's a Catholic author, has like seven levels of intimacy. And so... So yeah, so there's different ways to look at that, but you're right that the, the goal is intimacy, but not with everybody, right? We can have tons of friends yeah. on the, hey, I like to hang out on Friday nights yeah. group, but yeah. but with a few friends, we need to have a few where we can get to the deep level, like let's, yeah. let's share more I mean, God is a communion of persons, right? Yeah. And so he desires us to not be, like obviously there are ascetics and 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 um, you know closer to people who live alone, and that's great, God bless them, but there's very few of them for a reason, not because people aren't saying yes, because people aren't being asked, because it's a very unique extreme vocation that requires extreme amounts of grace. Most of us are called to be in community with each other. Right. And not just with our family. That's that's a wonderful thing. But the domestic church is meant to exist in a thick web of communions of other domestic churches. Right? Yes. That's how it actually is supposed to work. Yeah. You're not just the Joneses by themselves. And that tends to be what happens, I think, is you kind of like force yourself up. Especially men, where it's like, well, now this is my family. This is like my unit. So that's great. But like, who do you complain about them to? Right? Like, <laughs> like honestly, like you're a human being. You need people outside of this thing. Otherwise, you're gonna go crazy. Like, how do you not go crazy? Then men, then men do go crazy because they don't have any real friends. Right. right. Yeah. A lot of men, a lot of married men don't because they, they stop friendshipping. Yeah. Once they get married. Yeah. Really, once they start having kids. That's when. Right. But then your friends become your kids' parents. Right. Which is fine. Yeah. Which is good. That's too. a good thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, those are some reflections on friendship. I hope they've been, <laughs> they've been helpful to you. I would encourage any young adult who's listening to us that if you are longing for deeper intimacy with your friends, you know, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to take that first step, maybe to invite someone out for coffee and just 
have a deep conversation. Share your, your thoughts, your fears, your worries, your, your struggles, and listen to them. You'd be sincerely interested in their life, you know, because it's not it's not a one-sided, uh, you know, this is my personal therapist, right. but rather this is, this is somebody that I recognize God is revealing himself to me through this person. You can find us on Veritas Casting Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, and wherever you tune in to get your podcast. So tune in next time.